Chapter Four of When Patty Went to College. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. When Patty Went to College by Jean Webster. Chapter Four A Question of Ethics. Patty's classroom methods were the result of a wide experience in the professorial type of mind. By her senior year, she had reduced the matter of recitation to a system and could foretell with unvarying precision the day she would be called on and the question she would be asked her tactics varied with the subject and the instructor and were the result of a penetration and knowledge of human nature that might have accomplished something in a worthier cause in chemistry for example her instructor was a man who had outlived any early illusions in regard to the superior conscientiousness of girls over boys he was not by nature a suspicious person, but a long experience in teaching had inculcated an inordinate wariness which was sometimes out of season. He allowed no napping in his classes, and those who did not pay attention suffered. Patty discovered his weakness early in the year, and planned her campaign accordingly. As long as she did not understand the experiment in hand, she would watch him with a face beaming with intelligence. But when she did understand, and wished to recite, she would let her eyes wander to the window with a dreamy, far-away smile, and, being asked a question, would come back to the realities of chemistry with a start, and, after a moment of ostentatious pondering, make a brilliant recitation. It must be confessed that her moments of abstraction were rare. She was far too often radiantly interested. In French, her tactics were exactly opposite. The instructor, with all the native politeness of his race, called on those only who caught his eye and appeared willing and anxious to recite. This made the matter comparatively simple, but still required considerable finesse. Patty dropped her pen, spilled the pages from her notebook, tied her shoestring, and even sneezed opportunely in order not to catch his eye at inconvenient moments. The rest of the class, who were not artists, contented themselves with merely lowering their eyes as he looked along the line, a method which in Patty's scornful estimation said as plainly as words, Please don't call on me, I don't know. But with Professor Carnsley, who taught philosophy, it was more difficult to form a working hypothesis. He had grown old in the service of the college, and after thirty years' experience of girl nature, he was still as unsuspiciously trustful as he had been in the beginning, taking for granted that his pupils were as interested in the contemplation of philosophic truths as he himself. The professor conducted his recitations without a suspicion of guile, and based his procedure entirely upon the inspiration of the moment. The key to his method had always remained a mystery, and several generations of classes had searched for it in vain. Some averred that he called on every seventh girl, others that he drew lots. Patty triumphantly announced early in the course that she had discovered the secret at last, that on Monday he called on the red-haired girls, on Tuesday those with yellow hair, on Wednesday and Thursday those with brown, and on Friday those with black. But this solution, like the others, was found to break down in actual practice and Patty, for one, discovered that it required all her ingenuity and even a good deal of studying to maintain her reputation for brilliancy in Professor Cairnsley's classes. 
and she cared about maintaining it, for she liked the professor and was one of his favorite pupils. She had known his wife before she entered college, and she often called upon them in their home and, in short, exemplified the ideal relations between faculty and students. Owing to the pressure of many interests, Patty's researches into philosophy were not as deep as the intentions of the course. But she had a very good working knowledge, which in its details would have astonished Professor Cairnsley, could he have got behind the scenes. Though her knowledge was not based strictly on the textbook, her reputation in the class was good, and, as Patty admitted with a sigh, it's a great strain on the imagination to keep up a reputation in philosophy. It had been established, indeed, as far back as her sophomore year, when the psychology class was awed into silence by its first introduction to the abstractions of science, and Patty alone had dared to lift her voice. The professor, one morning, had been placidly lecturing along on the subject of sensation, and in the course of the lecture had remarked, "'It is probable,' that the individual experiences all the primary sensations during the first few months of infancy, and that in afterlife there is no such thing as a new sensation. Professor Cairnsley, Patty piped up, did you ever shoot the shoots? The ice was broken at last, and the class felt at home, even in the somewhat deep waters of philosophy, and Patty, however undeservedly, had gained the credit of having a deeper insight than most into matters psychical. And so her senior year, when she entered upon the study of ethics, she carried along an unearned and fragile reputation, built upon subterfuges and likely to crumble at the slightest touch. She had maintained it very creditably up to the Christmas vacation, and had argued upon the ultimate ground of moral obligation and the origin of conscience quite as intelligently as though she had previously read what the textbook had to say on the subject. But when they had commenced the study of specific theologies, based upon definite historical facts, Patty found her imagination of little use, and on several occasions it had been purely good luck that had saved her from exposure. Once the bell had rung at an opportune moment, and twice she had been able to avert a direct answer by leading the discussion into side issues. She realized, however, that fortune would not always favor her, and as the professor usually forgot to call the roll— she formed the nefarious practice of cutting class when she did not have her lesson. For a week or so, in particular, her pressure of work in other directions, not all of them scholastic, had prevented her from devoting her usual amount of energy to the task of maintaining her philosophy reputation, and she had without conscience cut ethics several days in succession, and had failed to comment upon the fact to the professor. "'What did he lecture about in ethics?' those recitations I missed, she inquired of Priscilla one afternoon. Swedenborg. Swedenborg, repeated Patty dreamily. He got up a new religion, didn't he? Or was it a new system of gymnastics? I've heard about him, but I don't seem to remember any details. You'd better make him up. He's important. I dare say, but I've lived twenty-one years without knowing about him, and I can't wait a month longer. I'm saving up Confucius and the Jesuits for examination time, and I'll add Swedenborg to the list. You'd better not. Professor Cairnsley's fond of him, and is likely to pop a special examination at any moment. Not Professor Cairnsley, laughed Patty. He doesn't want to waste the time. 
he's going to lecture straight on for two weeks nice man i see it in his eye what i admire in a professor is a good steady plodding disposition that doesn't go in for sensational surprises you'll find yourself mistaken some day mourned priscilla no danger my dear cassandra i know professor cairnsley and professor cairnsley thinks he knows me and we just get along together beautifully i wish there were more like him patty added with a sigh professor cairnsley began a lecture the next morning which was evidently calculated to extend through the hour and patty cast a triumphant glance at priscilla as she unscrewed the top of her fountain pen and settled down to work in the course of the lecture however he had occasion to refer to swedenborg and pausing a moment he casually asked a girl on the front seat for a resume of swedenborg's philosophy she unfortunately confusing him with schopenhauer glibly attributed to him doctrines which would have outraged his soul could he have heard them it is written that the worm will turn and the professor's bland smile deserted him as he passed the question to a second girl without much better result the class in general had evidently been laboring under patty's delusion that the time had not come in which to learn back notes amazed and indignant he pursued the matter with a persistency and a rancor he seldom showed he began going straight through the class growing more and more sarcastic with each recitation as she saw him finish with the row in front and begin on her row patty knew that she was doomed she racked her brain for some memory of swedenborg he was a name to her and nothing more he might have been an ancient greek or a modern american for all she knew as professor cairnsley came along the line he was gradually eliciting from the terrified class the superficial points which were more or less common to all philosophers patty perceived that her imagination could not help her out that for once the placid professor was on the warpath and that swedenborg and nothing but swedenborg would serve she cast an agonized glance up at priscilla and priscilla grinned back with i told you so written on every feature patty looked about desperately the lecture-room was shaped like an amphitheatre with part of the seats on a level with the main floor and the rest rising in tears patty sat on the main floor well toward the rear she could barely see the professor's head but he was coming irrevocably she did not have to see very clearly to know that the girl before her answered wildly the professor frowned and looking down at his roll-book slowly and deliberately made a zero when he raised his eyes again patty's seat was empty she was kneeling on the floor with her head bowed behind the girl in front the unconscious professor passed over her bent head and called on the girl on the other side who coughed hysterically once or twice and flunked flat and while he was crediting the fact in his roll-book patty resumed her seat a ripple of laughter ran around the room the professor frowned and remarked that he saw no occasion for amusement the bell rang and the class somewhat sheepishly filed out that afternoon patty burst into the study where priscilla and georgie merrills were making tea did you ever think i had much of a conscience she demanded never thought it was your strong point said georgie well i've got a perfectly tremendous one what do you think i've been doing making up your ethics lectures suggested priscilla worse than that you haven't been to gym patty said georgie 
"'Goodness, no, I'm not so far gone as that.' "'Well, I'll tell you. I met Professor Cairnsley by the gate and walked in with him. "'And, if you please, he complimented me on my work in ethics.' "'That ought to have been embarrassing,' said Georgie. "'It was,' acknowledged Patty. "'I told him I didn't really know as much as he thought I did.' "'What did he say?' "'He said I was too modest. "'He's such a trustful old man. "'You know, that you sort of hate to deceive him. "'And what do you think?' I told him about the seat. Priscilla smiled approvingly upon her usual recreant roommate. Well, Patty, you certainly are better than I gave you credit for. Thank you, murmured Patty. I begin to believe you have got a conscience, said Georgie. An excellent one, said Patty complacently. It pays in the end, said Priscilla. It does, agreed Patty. Professor Cairnsley said he would explain Swedenborg to me himself, and he invited me over to dinner tonight. End of chapter 4